Hello, Super Sleuths. Welcome to the latest episode of Where the Monsters Are. I'm Louise. And I'm Sarah. Before we get into the latest episode, I want to remind you that you can follow us on all podcast platforms and on Twitter and Instagram at Where the Monsters Are. And please leave a review to let us know what you think of the podcast. That said, let's get on with the episode. If you were to look on a map of California today, you won't find the town of Wineville on it anywhere. The reason for that will become apparent when I tell you the story of the Wineville chicken coop murders. I guess I should start by telling you a bit about what life in California was like at the start of the 20th century. California is now the most populated state in the US. There was a massive wave of immigration to the state over the years, starting with the California Gold Rush, which started in 1848, bringing in miners, businessmen, farmers and their supporters. So at that time, there were less than 10,000 females in total in the population of around 120,000 residents. This didn't include Native Americans because they weren't counted in the census. About 3,500 of the people coming into the state during the gold rush were female, with the rest, about 115,000, being men. Immigration continued throughout the 19th century, with people mainly arriving from other states. A normal ratio of men to women wasn't seen in California until the 1950 census, so for over a century, California was actually short on females. Looking at the time period that we're interested in, there was a massive population increase of over 60% into the state by 1930. There was a lack of foreign immigration due to the Great Depression and by 1933, many foreign workers were deported as there weren't enough jobs to go around. After World War II and the Great Depression, wartime industries were booming, so there was a rapidly increasing build-up of US workers in California. Well, immigration began again in Los Angeles, which allowed Gordon Northcott to move with his parents, Sarah, Louise and Cyrus, to the city in 1924. He had been born in Bladworth, Saskatchewan on the 9th of November 1906. Northcott and Cyrus built a chicken farm in nearby Wineville as a way to make a living. It was shortly after this that Sanford Clark, Northcott's young nephew, moved from Canada to live with the family. However, things weren't going to go well for the young boy. Northcott regularly beat and sexually abused his young nephew and it wasn't long before he began to abduct and abuse young boys from the neighbouring areas. It was hinted that for some years he would rent out the boys to wealthy Southern California paedophiles but I only found one source saying that, so I don't know how true that is. What is known is that after abusing them, he would drive them back to their homes and let them go. However, for four of his victims, he didn't just let them go home. Instead, he murdered them on the ranch. The murders occurred between 1926 and 1928, and due to the nature of the crimes, the case garnered national attention. During his interrogations later, Northcott would confess to the murders of nine boys, but he was actually confirmed to have killed three and to have been implicated in one. I'm now going to go over the abduction and murder of nine-year-old Walter Collins. Walter was the son of Christine Collins. Now this story can seem a bit confusing, so bear with me while I try to explain this one. Walter disappeared on the 10th of March 1928 after he went off to the cinema with money given to him by his mother. It was originally believed that his disappearance could have been connected to his father, Walter J. Collins, an ex-convict who Christine had married, not knowing Collins was an alias, and his real name was Walter Joseph Anson. At the time of Walter's abduction, he was in Folsom State Prison for robbery. The police followed up on hundreds of leads, even investigating the possibility that the boy had been kidnapped by enemies of his father, but they led nowhere. 
Five months after Walter vanished, a boy claiming to be Walter was found in DeKalb, Illinois. He'd originally told police his name was Arthur Kent and that his father had abandoned him. He was placed with a temporary family and eventually told them that his real name was Walter Collins and he was from Los Angeles and said that he'd been avoiding questions because he didn't want his father to get into trouble. Illinois police contacted the authorities in Los Angeles and letters and photos were exchanged, prompting Christine to pay for the boy to be brought to LA. Now this is where things get a bit bizarre. The boy arrived in Los Angeles and as soon as she laid eyes on him, Christine knew the boy was not her son. However, under pressure from the public and his superiors to resolve the case, Captain J.J. Jones of the Los Angeles Police Department convinced her to take the boy home and try him out. Pressured into this, Christine took the boy home but knew that he wasn't Walter. She returned to the police three weeks later, again saying that the boy wasn't her son. She took with her dental records and the backing of friends trying to prove her case. However, Captain Jones didn't like this and accused Christine of being a bad mother and trying to bring disrepute to the police force who'd done all they could to bring her son home to her. He then had Christine committed to the psychiatric ward at Los Angeles County Hospital as a Code 12. This was a term used to jail or commit someone who was deemed difficult or an inconvenience. Captain Jones questioned the boy who admitted to in fact being 12-year-old Arthur Hutchins Jr., a runaway from Iowa. He said that he'd been picked up by police in Illinois and when asked if he was Walter Collins, he said yes. His motive for pretending to be Walter was so he could get to Hollywood so he could meet his favourite actor, Tom Mix. His stepmother came to town to pick him up and he left, never having shown any remorse for his actions. Christine actually spent 10 days in the psychiatric ward before being released. She filed a lawsuit against the LAPD and won against Captain Jones for $10,800, but unfortunately this was never paid. Typical. Yeah, so she never received a penny of that. On the 16th of May, two months after Walter disappeared, brothers Nelson and Lewis Winslow, aged 10 and 12, went missing on their way home to Pomona. Their parents reported receiving strange letters from them, the first saying that they were heading to Mexico and the second saying they were planning to stay missing as long as they could become famous. Weird. At first, the disappearance of the Winslow boys and Walter weren't connected by the police. In February in La Puente... The headless body of a Hispanic boy was found. At first, this and the disappearance of the Winslow boys and Walter weren't connected by the police. There was no further movement on the case until September that year. That September, Sanford Clark's mother, who was still living in Canada at the time, contacted the authorities in the US and told them that her nephew had kidnapped and was holding her son Sanford in California. Sanford's sister Jessie had become worried about her 15-year-old brother since he'd left Canada two years previously to move to California to live with North Cotney's parents. Jessie visited the chicken ranch in Wineville to check on her younger brother and in the few days she stayed, she found out that he was being abused by Northcott and was involved in something that she described as strange. Sanford spoke to the authorities on the 15th of September and told them that his uncle had kidnapped him and was physically and sexually abusing him. It was at this point that he told the investigators that his uncle had forced him to watch the abuse and murder of Walter Collins, Nelson and Lewis Winslow and other young boys and sometimes made him participate. Sanford told them that Northcott abducted boys so he could abuse them and when he was finished with them he would lead them into the incubator room to see hatching chicks and kill them with an axe. 
to destroy the evidence he would cover their bodies with lime. He told them that he had killed a Hispanic boy in La Puente which caused the police to put together the missing boys with the headless body that had been found. Sanford told them that they would find graves near the chicken coop for the Winslow brothers and Walter Collins. When police went to the chicken ranch to investigate, they found graves, as Sanford had said, but found only pieces of bone inside the graves. Axes found among other farm equipment had human hair and blood on them, and several bones were found scattered across the ranch, which pathologists found came from male children. They found a library book inside the house that had been checked out to one of the Winslow boys and more letters to their parents. They also found a child's whistle and several Boy Scout badges. Nothing to directly connect Walter Collins could be found anywhere, but police had no reason to disbelieve this part of Sanford's story. Two days later, Cyrus Northcott told police that his son had admitted to the killings, but by then, Northcott and his mother Sarah Louise had fled town. Northcott was eventually arrested on the 20th of September in British Columbia and his mother was arrested in Alberta. Northcott was taken back to the ranch by police in December in an attempt to get more information about the crimes. While they were at the ranch, Northcott admitted to five murders, including the Winslow brothers, Walter and a Mexican boy named Alvin Gothia. However, later that day, when it came to writing out his confession, he admitted to only Alvin Gothia's murder. It was speculated that he'd actually killed as many as 20 boys, but the state couldn't produce evidence to support that speculation. Later that month, Sarah Louise confessed to the murder of Walter Collins. She said that she delivered the blow that killed the young boy and then buried him in a hole near the chicken coop. Sarah Louise Northcott was sentenced to 12 years in prison for Walter's murder, despite them never definitively finding his body. She would go on to serve only four and a half years in San Quentin and the Institution for Women at Teha Chapi before being paroled on the 30th of May 1940. Northcott's trial began in January 1929 and after firing several defence attorneys, he proceeded to defend himself. Northcott and his mother made several sensational claims during the trial. His mother testified on his behalf, claiming that she was actually his grandmother because her husband had raped her daughter Winifred and Northcott was her son. Northcott claimed that he'd had an incestuous relationship with Sarah Louise and that his father Cyrus had molested him as a child. Sarah Louise wasn't found to be a credible witness since she was constantly saying that she would do anything for Northcott. Northcott denied having anything to do with the killing of Walter Collins and Sarah Louise even attempted to rescind her own confession. On the 8th of February, an all-male jury convicted Gordon Stewart Northcott for the first-degree murders of the Winslow brothers and an anonymous victim, the Hispanic headless body that had been found in La Puente. He was sentenced to death by Judge George R. Freeman, but this didn't allow any rest for the families of his victims as they didn't have any intact bodies to bury. As no body had been found and since Northcott had denied his killing and Sarah Louise denying her earlier confession and Sanford Clark's corroboration for the murder, Christine Collins would go on for the rest of her life with the belief that her son had not been one of Northcott's victims. She corresponded with Northcott after his conviction and received permission to interview him before his execution. In a letter he sent to her, Northcott said that he would give her a true account of what had happened to her son. When she went to the prison to see him, he changed his mind at the last minute and said he didn't have anything to do with whatever had happened to Walter. A boy came forward five years later, which encouraged her in her belief. It appeared that the boy was a victim of Northcott, that police had initially believed this boy to be a murder victim himself. 
Christine spent the rest of her life looking for her son and she died in 1964 at the age of 75, never having foreclosure. Northcott was hanged on the 2nd of October 1930 at San Quentin Prison at the age of 23. It was shortly after this that the citizens of Wineville, ashamed of the crimes and no longer wanting to have any connection to what became known as the Wineville Chicken Coop Murders, agreed to change the name of the town to Mira Loma, which means view from the hill in Spanish. In 1931, Cyrus Northcott left California and bought a small farm in Parsonburg, Maryland. When Sarah Louise was paroled in 1940, she joined her husband in Maryland and spent the rest of her life on the farm. George died in April 1944 and Sarah Louise died in November the same year of chronic myocarditis. Everything they owned was left to their only surviving child, Winifred. Sanford Clark Northcott's nephew wasn't tried for his part in the crimes but was sentenced to five years at the Whittier State School. While there, he learned life lessons such as tailoring, cooking, gardening and woodworking. When he had been sent there, it wasn't as a punishment as such, it was more as a method of rehabilitation. Not all the boys who were at the school had been sent there because of a criminal history. Some were there because they were too old to be adopted or their parents were unable to care for them. Sanford spent 23 months there and after his release was deported back to Canada. He led an exemplary life serving in World War II before working for the Canadian Postal Service for 28 years. He married and he and his wife June adopted and raised two sons. His family said later that he decided to adopt rather than have biological children because he didn't want to pass on what he viewed as his family's sickness. Sanford Clark died in 1991. In 2008, the murders came to the forefront again when Clint Eastwood directed the movie Changeling starring Angelina Jolie. Jolie plays Christine Collins and the story focuses on the disappearance of Walter and her attempts to find her son. For the movie, she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress. So that's it for the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Sarah, do you have any thoughts? Um, I mean, obviously, as you know, I'm a fan of Angelina Jolie, so I've watched that film. Mm. And although a lot of it was the same, there was also a lot of it that was quite different. Yeah. The fact that his mum was involved in it, that's weird. I'd not heard anything about that at all. No, that was the biggest thing that surprised me. I've only recently watched Changeling, so I only knew the story from that. And that was like the biggest surprise to me, finding out that his mum was actually involved and she served time for Walter's murder. Yeah, that's not mentioned. Because it, it looks in the film like he just lives there on his own, doesn't it? It does, Well, with yeah. that young lad. Yeah, that's right. But no, it was actually his mum and dad lived there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that the police put her in a psychiatric oh. unit. I mean, that was awful in, in the film. That was just absolutely ridiculous. But there was a lot of women in there as well mm. for pretty much the same reasons. I mean, was that true? Because in the movie, she campaigns and gets those women out. Did that really happen? I couldn't find anything about that. It was just literally all it said was that she spent 10 days in there and got out. And that oh. was when she did the lawsuit against the police. I'm guessing a bit of dramatic licence was taken there. Yeah, I guess so. I just wondered. I would hope she would have, but I, I don't know if that is what happened at all, no. Mm. I couldn't find anything that said that that was stopped after that. I mean, this Code 12, I did find out that that seemed to happen a lot. If there was anybody that was causing trouble to the police or a bit of an inconvenience, they were put in the psychiatric unit and kind of forgotten. I believe what the film tells you about those people that were already in there for what it was the film 
is mm. just quite it's so tragic because she just spends her whole life just trying to find a son and then she that other kid turns up so that gives her hope yeah i mean i guess if you've got children you'd never want to believe that they were one of the victims and if there's any little glimmer of hope you would hang on to it wouldn't you oh definitely yeah even though it seemed like he was one of the victims there you just would never want to admit that if if there was any other option would you no i mean you can understand why she spent the rest of her life i mean she didn't have a body so she obviously spent the rest of her life hoping i mean if it had been a few years later they'd have had a lot more like the dna and they'd have been able to find out more about what had happened to the the boys and probably who their bodies were just from the fragments of bone and hair well that's it they'd have done dna samples and everything wouldn't they some years later so yeah i mean it was i just think it's a shame what happened i got the impression that he was just northcott i'm i'm getting the impression he was just a a bit of a psycho yeah but again a lot of serial killers and that they suffered a lot of abuse and they say it stems from things like that, don't they? That's not an excuse and that doesn't mean that every serial killer has been in those situations. But it sounds like it was all sorts going on in his family. Especially if you believe what the mother was saying about that he was actually their grandchild as well. Which, well if you believe yeah. that as well. I mean, they didn't really mention much. Well, you didn't really mention much about his sister. His sister lived in Canada and... She was the one that had Sanford and Jesse. And from what I could gather, they had received letters from Sanford. And reading between the lines, there was something not right with what he was saying in his letters back home. Well, if he, how old was he? He was 15. Because he was only 23 when he died. So how old was his sister? If she got at least... She was young. No, she was young. You mean Winifred? If she got two kids and one was 15 at least when he went there. I think Winifred was in her 40s. I think he was born a bit later. Uh, I'm pretty sure I I remember reading that. But I think what had happened, Sanford had sent some letters back home. Winifred wasn't happy with what he was saying in the letters. He didn't sort of come out and say anything particularly about what was going on. But Winifred sent Jesse there to see what was happening. And, And apparently he was quite horrible to her as well so when she went back she immediately told her mum what had happened and she then went to the police and then the police in Canada got in touch with the police in LA and that was where the investigation started. So he wasn't really kidnapped then? No. So why did they say that? It was the fact that he couldn't go anywhere it was more the case of what was going on while he was there he was obviously being held against his will rather than kidnapped. When you first said that, I was like, oh, I wasn't aware that he'd kidnapped him. But then I'm thinking, well, if she went to visit, how could he have been kidnapped? And she waited a bit long to suddenly report that he'd been kidnapped. No, it was more that there's obviously something going on and he's not able to leave. It was more Uh, that. But yeah, so that was the Wineville chicken coop murders. Like I said, I didn't really know anything about that. I just obviously only know from what I've watched, because I've watched the film quite a few times. I only knew that part of it because I said to you didn't I why don't you look into doing that because it's supposed to be based on a true story yeah yeah so, but I didn't really know much about to be fair it, I think it was pretty close what really happened yeah I mean that, that obviously focuses on Christine and what she's doing to try and get Walter back but there's obviously all of this about the Winslow brothers and stuff as well but I mean the thing that sort of confused me was the fact that he used to let 
some of them go. And I wonder, why did they not say anything? You don't know. It might have scared them. It might have threatened them. I mean, that's all you can think, isn't it? I'm just really surprised nothing came out earlier. Yeah. Okay, so thanks everybody for listening. You can let us know what you thought about this and our other episodes on our social media. If you're enjoying our stories, you can subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you can, please leave a review because it really helps us to reach more people just like you. We hope you stay safe and we'll speak to you next week. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.